0: Welcome to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise, designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Hey, my friends. (sighs) Buckle up, because...
1: This is going to be a come-together San Diego like you've never heard before, because I've got a co-host guest on the line whom many of you have never heard before. Some of you have, and you're going to get a dose of anointing um, in a way that perhaps you haven't heard before. I want you to meet my dear friend Vivian Hibbert, and she is a, I would call her a worship warrior, but she would probably wear some general bars on her shoulder, because she is a leader's leader for sure. Hey, Vivian, how are you?
2: Oh, I'm wonderful, Kev. It's just so great to be with you and the radio listeners today.
1: Very good. We're going to unbuckle some things, unsheathe some things, unpeel some things, and those things have to do with worship and praise, but not only just worship and praise, but the prophetic behind the worship and praise a lot of people don't really comprehend this a lot a lot of people that are leading worship even on a weekly basis or a, a you know biweekly basis they don't they they study the songs they read the songs and they sing the songs and that's the end of this, the the uh, worship service but God wants so much more mm-hmm. from us and he's given so much more to us so i'm going to you're an author of numerous books but the one that uh, drew my attention was prophetic worship because you're talking about the prophecy behind it, and uh, God's yeah. God's plans for, for the empowerment within. Uh, Vivian, would you be so kind as to just kind of take it from here, and I'll kind of follow your lead?
2: Okay, no problem, okay. Yeah, the, the book is Prophetic Worship. I think it's the first book that's written on the subject. I wrote this in 1999, but it's been out of print, out of stock for a long time, so I've rewritten it and updated it, and it's just come out this year. So... so If you want to say, okay, what's the definition of prophetic worship? Because some people think, well, you know, it's worship that's crazy or worship that's loud (laughs) or worship that's spontaneous or people are running around. It doesn't have to be any of those things because I don't believe that we should define worship by what we're doing. And that was our old paradigm. We used to say, well, if we're doing praise, we're singing the fast songs. And when we sing the slow songs, that's worship. That's not how you define praise and worship. We need to define praise and worship by what God's doing and actually think of him as being part of it. And so in praise, we move our hearts toward him. And in worship, he has now come and enthroned himself. He's enthroned in the praise, and now we, are, uh, God has broken in on us. So in worship, in praise, we break in on him, and in worship, he breaks in on us. So I call it prophetic worship because it's worship where God is actually participating. And so that doesn't mean it's charismatic or Pentecostal. You can be a Baptist and have prophetic worship. You don't have to use that terminology, but it just means that you find God um, revealing himself in the hymns and the sermon and the fellowship. You can be a, an Anglican you know, and find them in the table. And it's where we find him and participate with him in his agenda for the service, yes, That's what the leadership is
1: so tell me so, what is this what does this look like? You're talking about finding him what do we have to do different from what we're doing today to enter into that level of intimacy uh, you know because everybody wants to find him i mean every worship leader every person that comes to church what are they going to church for and every pastor what's he preaching a sermon for but what's the what's the key that you fa- found or keys to the actual uh, acquisition or the finding of him
2: well that's a huge question cuz because You know, back in Exodus chapter 19, the Israelites, they wanted to be with God also. And God said to them, I want you to be a kingdom of priests, a nation of priests. And they all said, oh, goody, yeah, let's do it. And so God came and they found him, but he was louder than they wanted him to be. He stayed longer than they wanted him to stay. (laughs) He took harder than they wanted him to shake. He talked about things that they didn't want him to talk about. So they made up their own rule. They said, Moses. You go and talk to God and come and tell us what God says, but don't let God come and talk to us because we'll die. Mm. And I believe that many churches still do that. We say, "Pastor, we'll pay you. You go and talk to God and come and tell us on Sunday what God says," but we don't really want God here because he's not really—he's not a Baptist and he's not an Anglican, he's not a Presbyterian, he's—he's not charismatic. He doesn't fit into any of our models. He's not like us. He's not American. Um, he's not, well, I'm from New Zealand, so, you know, we kind of think God is from New Zealand, but, <laughs> uh, he, but he's not, he's not going to fit into our boxes. And so, so your first premise is that we all want to find him. Well, yes, we do. But once we find him, we often don't like him very much because he stays too long. He shakes too hard. He talks too loudly. And he smokes too much. <laughs> so we, we, we all run away. But but if we have that intentionality that we're going to actually make way for him in whatever we're doing, that we learn to go beyond the song, yes. go beyond the hymn, go beyond the reading, and actually not just stay here in this present place, but we actually look and that's what Paul says, but we all with unvowed faces beholding. And and our worship has to become a beholding and intentionally looking at him and finding out and listening to him, what is he wanting to say? And you can find that, Kaz, in every every church has this, I guarantee it, where you're, you're singing that song and there's that sense of life on the song. There's that, aha, God's here. Many times we pack up and have the offering at that moment because we don't know what to do. That's right. But it's, it's learning about what to do at that moment where there's that lifing in the service. You learn how to stay there and continue that conversation until God's finished with the conversation. Not according to our clock or our song list or anything else. We have to let God uh, direct that moment. Wow. And he's got things that he wants to say.
1: So you, would you say you mentioned the word clock and to me that that's one of the biggest deterrents to a full-blown intense relationship with him even so even so some people you know that they they're doing broadcasts or uh television shows or something that's you know a second service that they have to make uh, time for and things like that even within that you know it's kind of like god will take you where you are and move you into where you need to be so if where you are is okay we've got a slot of time even within that slot of time if you give him the freedom within that he can move but he's not going to allow you to stay there yes. for long would that be accurate
2: yes. absolutely that i mean he knows that we're bound to this world and we've got children and meals and families and babies and you know all of that he he understands that I mean we can have God you and I, Kaz, we can just say right now, look just we open up our heart to the to the presence of God, to the hand of God, the smile of God, the whispers of God. And it's and it's not so much that we go and do worship, we we are worshippers, we live uh, carrying the presence of God. And um, so yes, you're right, he can come in a moment. And if your pastor gives you half an hour for the worship time, then don't fill the whole time with song after song after song, three fast songs and three slow songs. Find out what's on the heart of God for this Sunday. If you don't know, just take the people to the throne and and let the, let the worship time breathe. Let there be a moment where God can actually talk back because we talk to him, we clap for him, we dance for him, we shout for him, we sing for him, we pray to him, and then when we're done with our stuff, then we take up an offering.
1: That's right. You know, oftentimes, we've got about a minute and a half left in this, in this segment, but oftentimes in a church yeah. environment, I, many, many times, and you as well, I'm sure, you're right, you get to the point where you've ascended and you can feel the presence of God, and then you look at the watch and you go, well, time is up. And, you know, looking at it from God's perspective, he, he, he must be saying, you know, great, I'm here. I want to tell you stuff. I want to tell what." Yes. what's this offering and, and announcements for yet? I'll I give you a few right. of my own announcements. So, you know, right. my, my, I have a real contrite heart for that time when we ascend to that level. And then yes. we either don't know what to do or, or we're uh, restrained by the clock. Can, as we have about 30 more seconds in this, <clears throat> in this segment, do you have, give me a one word of wisdom here, and then we're going to kind of carry this into the next segment as well. My listening friend, I hope you're appreciating Viv Hibbert because she's got some insights here, and you worship warriors need to take listening to this show seriously and write some notes. Viv?
2: Yeah, well, um, if we can go on into the next segment, um, I'll tell you it's actually easy. It's not rocket science. (laughs) I'll show you a a wonderful secret of how to recognize the subjects that God is uh, speaking on his heart. And so wow. we'll be in Isaiah chapter 6. If anybody wants to get their Bibles and have a look, and I'll talk about that in the next segment. It's exciting.
1: Very good. Because
2: yeah. it's, it's us being really with a real God. It's not pretend. He's a real God, and he really speaks.
1: <laughs> now you know why I've loved Viv Hibbert, Hibbert for d- literally decades. I've known her for a long time. She always brings stuff and a lot of the stuff she mm-hmm. brings she says she has no clue what she's bringing but she just, she's bringing the presence of God and whatever he says she doesn't uh, she doesn't acquiesce for long she goes he says it let's just do it so we're going to talk more about yes. that and how to discover God's subject matter using the book of Isaiah and elsewhere when Viv Hibbert and I come right back
0: this is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Welcome back. Talking with a, Welcome back. Talking
1: with a dear friend, Vivian Hibbert. And uh, she is... A Worshipper's Worshipper. And we're talking about a subject about how, how to, as you get into worship and praise, how to acquire God's subject uh, as you worship and praise and how to listen. She mentioned the book of Isaiah. Viv, I'm going to give it to you to craft this however Holy Spirit and Viv would like to craft it. Lay it on us.
2: Okay, thank you, Kaz. I just uh, pray blessing upon all your wonderful listeners. And it doesn't matter what denomination we're in this is not about, prophetic worship is not a denominational thing, it's a theology of worship, it's not a style of worship. But, but what Isaiah did, and we see in the worship service that Isaiah was in, we see the three categories of subjects, it's not like little boxes, we don't put God in a box, but he has these eternal categories that will never be explored, can never explore them totally. He says in the year that King Uzziah died, he saw the Lord, and the, the thing that he saw, the subject that God was re- revealed was himself. That's God's favorite subject. He loves to talk about himself. And so the holiness of God, the majesty of God, is, is the subject that God unveiled to Isaiah and he was amazed. I mean, and this will be a subject that will go on for eternity, we will never come to the end of it. I mean, there's these angels, and they cry, holy, holy, holy. They, they, they literally have one song with one word in it. There's some that have been created just to cry his attribute of holiness. And they might have been doing that for the last trillion years, and they're not <laughs> looking at the them saying, please, can we move on to the next song? Uh, we're kind of sick of this song. And the reason they're not sick of the song is because they haven't come to the end of the revelation of the holiness of God. And so their job is to be before the throne and cry his attribute of holiness. And then there's another choir over there, and they're, they're crying out of his, that he's worthy. And, and so you've got these angels that cry about him, and that's the first subject. When God comes, his favorite subject is he wants to talk about himself. When when Job and his friends had finished talking back and forth about God, God finally starts talking in in Job chapter 38. And he doesn't say, now, you poor baby, I'm so sorry you're in a hard time. I'm going to make it all better. And you're going to (laughs) be fine. It's all right. He doesn't talk like that. You know what he says to Job? He says, Job, were you there when I told the sea how far it could go and where its borders were? Are you the one that tells the lightning where to go in the sky? Did you put thunder into the neck of a horse? Do you tell the sun where to rise and where to set in the dawn? And were you there when the morning stars sang together? And he's basically saying to Job, you didn't do that, but I did that. So I think I can handle your stuff. My. And that's what, that's what he says when he comes to us. He wants to unveil before us. His wonders, his majesty, his power, his might, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, his long-suffering. And we don't stop to hear that subject because we're too quick to talk about ourselves. But subject number two is when Isaiah saw the Lord, then he saw himself. And he says, woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of uncleanness, I dwell in the midst of a people of For My eyes have seen the king. And when he saw God, he saw himself. And in the previous chapter, he had just handed out six woes, and he saw God, and he said, woe is me. And God touched him, and God ministered to him. So subject number two is when God ministers to us. That's usually our favorite subject, and I find too many churches are experts on that subject and have not explored subject number one, which is infinite, to know the power and the majesty. We know in our heads that he's the Lord, but have you had an encounter with the Lord? You know that he's wise, but have you actually met wisdom in the midst of worship? Has, has, has wisdom himself? Dropped into your heart and changed your heart. Mercy and forgiveness. You might have arrived at church in a fight with your husband or your wife, but in the midst of worship, the mercy of God drops into your heart, and your heart is changed, and you hardly know how it happened, except that you saw God. And so worship is supposed to be this encounter with the divine, with wisdom and mercy and and holiness, and our hearts are changed into the same image from glory to glory. So if we want to change, we have to worship. The whole world is actually waiting. San Diego is waiting for the Christians in San Diego to have an encounter with God, because that is the encounter that you'll take out into the world. We will not be able to take into the world what we haven't encountered on Sunday. And so if the church doesn't worship, we won't have anything to take into the streets, into the people, into our neighbors, and into our families. Oh, my. So sub- subject number two, and you can tell me to stop because we can continue this. But we will continue. Number
1: You've got about uh, five five minutes or so, actually four minutes, but lay it on
2: us. Four minutes, okay. So subject number two is when, when he talks to us about us, and we're actually good at that subject. And, and that's not wrong to be good at that subject. That's great. But then as we come to subject number three with a category of subjects, and that's in verse uh, verse 8. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom shall go for us? Who shall go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go tell this people. Subject number three is when God has us in worship, standing before his throne as his ambassadors in the earth. We are ambassadors of his majesty, the king, in these nations.
1: Would, you, would 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 that be fair to say, Viv? Pardon me, but so that I can translate, you, you know, you're speaking yes, in Hebrew, yes. and I sometimes I need it in yes. Greek or plain in English. Would it be accurate to say that uh, this is the phase where we are given assignments?
2: Yes, and spiritual warfare. Yes, and and prayer intercession. Not not every worship service do you have all three subjects. Isaiah just happened to in this service, but but so we this you might have a whole service like this, and uh, where we are actually doing business on behalf of our city, on behalf of our state, on behalf of our nation and the nations of the earth. You can actually be worshiping, and God can cause the sound of the musicians to make the sound of Chinese instruments. You can start playing uh-huh. Chinese and the instruments are interceding, and the dancers might dance Chinese dancers, and the people begin to pray and cry out for the church in China. And you might do business before the throne of God that you read about in the paper on Monday, but you actually accomplished it before the throne on Sunday. And so we've actually got work to do. Paul says we're ambassadors. Yes. And so we, we get to speak, and you were, you were doing this in one of your recent broadcast that I was listening, you is speaking into the atmosphere, it's one of the great things that you do as radio people. You are setting sound into the airwaves over your city and, and making declarations, and there's something happening in the atmosphere over San Diego because of this broadcast. But mm. it's the same for every church on Sunday. They are affecting the atmosphere over San Diego. Would you, um, say, um, would you
1: say that the pa- pastors and worship leaders need to step back a little bit? You know, a pastor's going, well, you need to finish this off so this can be the springboard to my, to my sermon. And, and, you know, basically that's it. The truth of the matter is this is the springboard into God's heart cry for this earth. It may have to do with our city, yeah. our state, our nation, or the world. But if we're really sensitive, we can be really a conduit to God's provision in this very earth or his... You know,
2: exactly. or his intercession. His, and that's exactly right. Exactly right. I, I did a study on what ambassadors actually do, all the different responsibilities that ambassadors have, and translated those into um, what we get to do as Christian ambassadors. Mm, yes. And it's really remarkable that we, we actually get to... we Ambassadors let people into the country to give access. We give access for the king and, and for people to come into the kingdom of oh the king. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah. Viv-
2: Vivian,
1: I, I, I'm going to have to take a break in about uh, 15, 20 seconds. Do you have—we're we're okay. going through—my listening friend, we're going through some of the categories of uh, subjects of worship that God, you know, God's interested in us pursuing, and we've talked about uh, uh, talking about himself, and then he talks about us— and then, then he gives assignments or directives. And uh, yes. why don't you give a, a very brief few-second uh, tease for the next segment, and we'll be digging into that when we come after this break. How's that, Viv?
2: Okay. Yes, I just want to just release over your listeners that authority that they have to have uh, speak into the earth and into their cities and nations. So my, we'll my. do that.
1: Okay, we're going to talk a little bit more about well, we're the whole the whole 2-hour show, my friend, we're getting into the depth of worship. And this isn't just sitting down, writing down five songs that you and you go, okay, we're going to transition from this song to this song, and we're going from this key to an to an accompanying key and and you know, we're doing all the logistics, but we're forgetting about the spirit behind it. Viv is here, Viv Hibbert, and she's going to share with us uh some insights on how to set set those things aside and let god be god in our church services and our worship services when viv hibbert Amen. and i come right back
0: you're listening to come together san diego the live local show on k praise don't just listen to it be a part of it at 866 577 2473 you're just moments away from more come together san diego on k praise This is Rob Stark, pastor of Lamp Ladder Revival Center. There's a time and a season we're entering right
1: now where the new wine is being released and we all get to drink of it.
0: Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Hello again, my friends, talking about some of the categories or subjects
1: in worship that God delights in. Viv Hibbert.
2: Amen. Thank you, Kaz. I, uh, I'm i just delighted to be with you and I love your city so much, San Diego. I just love that city. Uh, I remember about two years ago I went to Brazil and I, I didn't realize that American citizens, because I'm an American citizen now, even though I'm a New Zealander by birth, but American citizens have to have a visa to get into Brazil. And so I was with a group of young people from Colombia, and I was told I was going to be turned back, put on a plane, and sent back. And I wasn't allowed into Brazil, so I told these young people just to pray with me. I said, let's see what God will do. And I said to the Lord, okay, Lord, I'm an ambassador. I'm not here as a New Zealander or an American. I'm here as an ambassador of your kingdom, and I'm asking right now for diplomatic immunity. <laughs> so subject to the laws of the kingdom, I'm not subject to the laws of the United States or New Zealand. I'm under your passport. And so even the powers of darkness have no authority over me. And I'm going to come into Brazil as an ambassador. So this guy, he said, go and stand in this line over here, this green line. Well, I could never find the green line. This is in Brazil at their immigration desks. And uh, so I went and found another line that stood in it and walked right through the guy. Just stamped my passport and waved me through. Uh, He didn't even say a word And that's happened to me like three times Where I've been given kingdom diplomatic immunity (laughs) I love
1: it, I love it, love it, love it My, my, my And
2: so we get to do that You know, um, the very first verse of the Bible Genesis 1-1 says In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth And so in the beginning that represents time Past, present and future God created the heavens, that, that represents space, length, width, and height. And the earth, that represents matter, solid, liquid, and gas. And God calls us to stand before time, space, and matter. And you can go through the whole Bible, and you can see people who use their mouths to speak to time. Uh, they, they spoke into situations that were... Like people were raised from the dead before there ever was a resurrection of the dead, before there ever was Calvary. uh, People spoke into space where the centurion spoke, and he wasn't even, he he didn't even get Jesus to go to that particular place. Right through space, Jesus spoke, and the young man was raised up. And to matter, uh, Joshua and they shouted, the, the children of Israel shouted, and the wall came down. So it's possible to speak into time, space, and matter. Yes. Even uh, the prophet spoke and got the got the son Joshua, got the sun to stand still in the sky, and Hezekiah got it to go backwards mm. in the sky. And so all through the Bible, you can go through, there is countless instances where... God's people have spoken into time, space, and matter, yes. and caused the earth to change, even with the singers in front of the army in Second Chronicles chapter 20. So with our voices, the authority that we have as God's ambassadors to actually administrate his kingdom in the earth. Yes,
1: yes, Definitely.
2: yes. For us to pray. He says, you pray, uh, thy kingdom come, let let God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's one of the prayers Jesus tells us to constantly pray. But he doesn't just have us pray passively, oh God, you do it, bring your kingdom. He wants his kingdom to come through us. And and the the authority that we have, because we get to be with, although in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. That was God who spoke into time, space, and matter. But now he gets us to speak into time, space, and matter with him and administrate his kingdom in the earth.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
2: And so Psalm 81.10 in the Passion says, I am your only God, the living God. Wasn't I the one who broke the strongholds over you and raised you up out of bondage? Open your mouth with a mighty decree, and I will fill it now, you see. The words that you speak, so shall it be. Oh, my. Isn't it awesome? It's
1: remarkable. May may I ask you a question here? Because this seems like the right time. This is the decade of the pay. We're just going to be ending one Hebrew Uh, year into the next Hebrew year. We're in the uh, 5780s.
2: the the early 2020 was was, it's a whole decade of the mouth
1: it's a whole decade of the mouth and that and when you're talking about we need to be able to speak it out i think don't you agree that god is probably saying this is the this if there ever was a time to speak out what i've been giving you now is the time
2: absolutely (laughs) absolutely this is the decade of the 80s in the hebrew calendar and that means it's a decade of the mouth the previous decade the 70s was the decade of the eye. So we went from the eye, the eagle of God, the vision casting to the mouth, the vision proclaiming and stepping into. So we've gone from the eagle to the lion. And there's a roar that has to come out of God's people in this hour because we're in the decade of pain. um, So that's why those of us with spoken ministries, whether we are radio broadcasters Worshippers, musicians. This is the decade of sound and the the roar that is coming out of God's people into the earth.
1: Yes, but one of the challenges I think that we worshipers have is um, is really being prepared to hear what He has to say. But beyond what He has to say, have the faith to step out and say it. You know, He's not going to say something. You know, the Scripture talks about uh, in First uh, Corinthians. I, I think it talks about edifying edifying one another. So, you know, if we're, mm-hmm. we're being prophetical, only special people have the uh, anointing to be able to speak, you know, you know, destruction and judgment on people. Basically, our calling is to be speak edification uh, to people sure. and uh, then let mm-hmm. him invade that. Would you like, we've got about uh, two, two, two minutes left in this segment, would you like to speak into okay. that about the speaking yeah. forth, but be... Hear the Lord, but know what's him and what's you. Know what's him and what's yes. the enemy.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, they say that those um, guys, you know, that study counterfeit money, one of the great things they study is not all the different kinds of counterfeit, but they have to study the real $100 mm. bill to they know every single uh, delicate stroke on that $100 bill. So when they see the counterfeit, they recognize it because they know the real thing so well that the counterfeit stands out. And it's the same for us with the Lord. If we know Him, and if we worship Him, and if He is our friend and our Lord and our Savior, when the counterfeit comes along, we will recognize it. You say, that's not how God talks. That's not the kind of thing He says. Right. That's, not, that's not from His character. I know Him. And, and so we need to uh, learn how to recognize His voice. Yes, yes. And um let me let me read you this scripture, because even children can do this. This is in Psalm eight, verse two, in the in the Passion says, You've built a stronghold by the songs of babies. Strength rises up with the chorus of singing children. This kind of praise has the power to shut Satan's mouth childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. And another translation says, childlike worship will destroy the authority attached to chaos. Mm. Isn't that incredible? It's incredible, incredible. When we think of the chaos in the earth today, even the worship of children will destroy the authority attached to chaos. And then, then, the, then the psalm says, yet what honor you've given to men, created only a little lower than Elohim. And most of our translations, it says we're created a little lower than the angels. But the translators must have gulped and not been able to write. The real word here is we're created a little lower than Elohim. We're not created lower than the angels. We're created a little lower than God himself. Wow. It's the same word in Hebrew as Genesis 1 verse 1. And it says, crowned like kings and queens with glory and magnificence, you have delegated to them mastery over all you have made, making everything subservient to their authority, placing earth itself under the feet of your image bearers. My, my, my. I love that.
1: I love that so
2: too. The, the picture here is children, even ch- the, the authority of praise that's in the lips of children will silence the madness of those who oppose him and the authority attached to chaos because all of us as believers are created a little lower than Elohim, God himself, mm-hmm. and we are those that have mastery over what he's made and he is bringing his kingdom into the earth, and so, so Kaz, that's that third subject It's so important, and we're afraid to go there because we, if we don't know God, if we don't know who we are in him, if we if we don't know how to come into His gates with thanksgiving and into His very courts, we get to stand in the courts of heaven. Mm. We're, we're not just—we're not just here, uh, just in our little church and our little. Church building, looking at a song on a screen. We actually move into the very courts of heaven yes. when we open our mouths and begin to worship.
1: We're going to talk more about this in the next segment when Viv Hibbert joins me again. We're, we've just kind of unlocked the worship vault and we're just digging into yes. all the treasures. So don't go away, my listening friend Viv Hibbert and I will be right back.
0: More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K Praise. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise.
1: Well, we're back, my friend. My co-host for this two-hour broadcast of Come Together San Diego is Vivian Hibbert. She's an author. She's a speaker. She's a teacher. I've been in symposiums with her where she has had the floor and she, you know, it's whether you think you're a worshipper or not, or a worship leader or not. She has everybody come as close to the front as possible, and then she kind of breaks open. And but she doesn't just teach words. What what is that thing that you have? Is it a didgeridoo? That is that what that is? Yeah,
2: I've had the didgeridoo from time to time, and uh, <laughs> I like old flutes and yes, stringed instruments and all kinds of stuff. Yeah.
1: So when when she comes to these environments, don't plan on being a, a, a seat warmer. She will She will say, what is God telling you right now? Okay, now what might that sound like? And you know, the the exciting thing about Viv, she realizes there's no wrong answers. A person gives from their heart, and then she, then Vivian, mm-hmm. right in front of everybody else's eyes and ears, they watch her water you and see how you bring mm-hmm. forth that fruitfulness. It's remarkable to see that.
2: The thing about the instruments, is I don't just want to play instruments to look clever. But I want to play the sounds of God. So when... When we talk about God talking, He actually can speak through a flute or, you know, an instrument, because as as musicians, as artists, we're not just ministering before Him and to Him. We actually capture His sound and bring His sound into the earth through our instruments. And so it's a a two-way thing. It's the same with every art has the same theology. Whether you're a painter or a dancer, you're not just doing it for him, but you capture his beauty and you reveal it into the earth. So as, as worshippers, we have the privilege of worship, of of beholding him. And as artists, we have the privilege of describing him. And so with our fingers, we get to, to, to craft and describe the, this, these subjects that I'm talking about.
1: Isn't there a scripture David, somewhere that says that David, David prophesied with his instrument of ten yeah. strings? He, pro- The actual mm-hmm. prophecy did not come from David's lips. The prophecy right. came from the sound of his instrument. I don't remember where that yeah. is. It's probably in the Psalms it's somewhere.
2: First, first, first Chronicles 25, <laughs> it says, David and the captains of the army, they laid hands on these sons of Asaph, Haman and Jeduthun who prophesied with their harps and their stringed instruments and timbrels, and it goes on several times and describes them prophesying with these instruments.
1: my my, my. So, so that this is a real encouragement to those uh, uh, that are musicians in a worship environment but they're not necessarily uh singers and the other piece of the equation who says you have to sing you can speak it as well the spoken word carries a tremendous amount of weight as well and you don't have to speak in tune you just speak your language but you speak it with god's authority and just step back and see what happens
2: (laughs) yes there you go um we were talking about children before when when we were little kids in school Um, We used to say this nursery line, Pussycat, pussycat, where have you been? Uh, The answer the cat says, I've been to London to see the Queen. Pussycat, pussycat, what did you there? I saw a little mouse under the chair. So we know that the cat actually got into the throne room of the Queen, because that's what the chair is. But the cat doesn't tell us anything about the Queen. The cat only tells us about the mouse that's under the chair. (laughs) And many Christians are like that. We could say, Christian, Christian, where have you been? I've been to church to see the king. Oh, Christian, Christian, what did you there? I saw the pastor's wife with funny hair. (laughs) These are the when we come from church. We say, what, "What did you see? What did you do?" Well, the saw the pastor's wife, and the drums were too loud, and it was too cold, and it was too long, and it, you know, we just carry on about church. But yes. so what we should be saying is, "I saw the King that was upon the throne, and and his train filled the temple, mm-hmm. and he was glorious and magnificent, and he spoke, and my life is be, never will never be the same." That's what that's what should happen after church. But we don't actually let him be enthroned in our praise and in our hearts. We don't give him that space. We fill the whole time with our songs to him. We don't let him sing his song back to us.
1: I'd like to, in the next segments, when we finish talking about the childlike faith, I want to devote a few segments to that because this is really vital. Uh, You go into worship services and you hear songs to the Lord and about the Lord. And for the Lord, but nothing that the Lord would like to sing back to us in his first-person voice. And guess who he uses for that first-person voice? He just may use you, my friend, and it may be the worship team, and it may just be somebody who's just sitting innocently listening, and all of a sudden God gives something. And the the, the challenge is to have an environment that allows that. That's the real challenge in the church environment these days, to have an environment that allows God's voice. So, but one of the things that one of the things that we want to talk about is the one of the way to ways to acquire the voice is not to have this mind of sophistication, is to hear him as a child, and the child goes, "Oh, wow! Want to see what I can do?" And all of a sudden, you know, it's like a little kid, a a two or three year old, in a company of adults, uh, dancing and prancing and doing these things, and everybody, you know, if the adults were doing that, they would be deemed silly. But uh, the young person has the freedom, and God's saying, I want you to be young people in my presence. <laughs> I want yeah, to talk a little bit yeah. more about that, because here, here's the thing I know about you. You are a child, and my friend, Vivian, that is not an insult.
2: <laughs> that is right. Absolutely. It's a wonderful thing.
1: <laughs> so you want to talk a little bit more about the childlike faith or the, oh. the childlike receptivity? and, and the, Because that's where yeah. God wants us to be.
2: Yes. Um, it's, it's definitely not an insult, Kaz. It's, it's, he said, suffer the children, the little children, to come to me. And, and I think we have to keep an attitude as worshipers. We have to have that attitude of wonder, uh, to always be amazed. I mean, God is an amazing God, and we, we need to let Him blow our minds, and we need to be amazed we need to know how to play in His presence and delight in His presence. I was just reading that psalm today, Psalm 37, just delight yourself in the Lord. Yes. And it's, it's like being—it's being like a child and, and delighting in Him. And so we can, we can learn so much from children. Yes. And if, and if your church has a hard time with, with this kind of freedom in worship— I, I encourage you to let the children lead you. Let get get some ads <laughs> into the hands of your children and let the children uh bust out of their seats. We're all stuck in our little rows. There's nothing in the Bible that says we have to worship in a rows so that we stay in one place.
1: Yes, that's right. But there
2: is a whole lot in the Bible about passion and 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 wonder and and you know being amazed at him and and delighting in him all of those things that that are very childlike that that needs to be in our hearts as as adults and we never should lose that my, my, my. and and we we get old and crusty we get discouraged <laughs> we get fearful we all of these these attitudes but you know, that, that Psalm 37 is, is a real key for all of us, even in these days of the coronavirus, that we should trust in the Lord with all of our hearts um, and, and feed on His faithfulness. Isn't, isn't that... I mean, God's so big with food, Kaz. He's always talking about food. Feed on His faithfulness. Psalm 23, there's a table in the presence of my enemies. Isaiah 55, Ho everyone that thirsts, come, buy and eat. Uh, he fed the five thousand hes he 's always god 's always talking about food i don 't know if you noticed that, but so God loves us to actually feast upon him and to have that sense of festivity and of course the great the greatest table of them all is the the table of the lord
1: yes 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 uh,
2: but the, but there are so many references to us just enjoying him and and remember that on the road to Emmaus, when there were those disciples walking with Jesus, they didn't recognize his face. They didn't recognize his voice. They didn't recognize anything. The moment that he sat down and broke bread, then their eyes were open and they, they saw him in the breaking of the bread. And so we need to actually uh, be be those that, that find him in the table, afresh every time we come to the table of the Lord. He wants to reveal himself. This is the place where he where he makes himself known. It's My the mom. same with your, with your family table. You sit down, you get to know one another around that table. And he also... And so the Lord has got so many images like this and expressions like this. It's a very childlike, very, in a sense, simple. Yes. A simple act, breaking bread and sitting down and eating with us and, and just being with us is very childlike in many ways, and we can come to it with, with fresh eyes. And, I love it. Uh, Go, so I know,
1: I, I know, I know, I know. I'm excited to get to worship with you again soon. Hopefully God's going to mm-hmm. s- arrange that. I would I would love to do that. My listening friend talking with Viv Hibbert, uh, a lady who uh, consumes the worship and praise topic because she knows that that takes her to the throne room. But the other piece of the equation is it doesn't just leave you there. It gives you an assignment (laughs) and sends you back in many instances. So we're going to talk more about that with Viv Hibbert when we come right back.
0: This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on KPraise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. KPRZ, San Marcos, Poway, and K29CR, Encinitas, FM 106.1, North County, AM 1210, San Diego, K-Praise. Come Together, San Diego, with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm back
1: with my treasured guest and co-host, Vivian Hibbert. She is a worship leader's worship leader. She has delved into this topic we met a few decades ago and I was immediately drawn to her because of her uh, her knowledge, but also her freedom. You know, it seems like sometimes when people have freedom, they don't have the knowledge. And when they have the knowledge, they don't have the freedom. But she's been able to blend the two together. And I want to read a scripture to you. And then, Viv, I would like you, if you would you be so kind as to give insights? I've already told her the scripture I'm going to read so she can be formulating her thoughts. But I'm going to read to you from Jeremiah 33. Now, listen to this, my friend. Here's the deal. God says he he loves to inhabit the praises of his people. He loves to inhabit the praises of his his people. But what happens if part of that praise of him is allowing him to speak to and through us? He will even inhabit that greatly. So let me read this to you. This is an area where worship leaders uh, pull back. Okay? I'm going to read this to you right now. It's talking about a, a song shall be heard in the cities of David in the streets of Jerusalem the song of uh, joy, a song of gladness, the song or voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, and those that would say praise the Lord. Uh, And then the next verse talks about lifting up the sacrifice of praise in the house of the Lord. Listen, my friend, there's, there's two different, more than two, but these two I want to bring to your attention. I want to have Viv talk into this a little bit but there's two components here on this worship and praise spoken of in in uh, Jeremiah 33 there's the voice of the bride and when we go to church and we listen to the songs that other people have written or that we have written nearly all of them if not all of them are they're vertical songs but they're not vertical coming down they're vertical going up basically and just adoring and loving the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're giving him accolades and things like that. But how about the voice of the bridegroom wanting to speak back? And Vivian talked about this earlier on. That's just about the time where it's for the announcements and to do the offering and and, and so forth. And the Lord's got to be going, I was just about ready to come in and share some great stuff with you, and now you're changing the the, the mood on this thing. Talk to that, would you, Vivian? Because this is really, I think, a sticking point in uh, today's worship services.
2: Yes, um, it, that's that's a wonderful passage. The voice of the bride and the voice of the bridegroom, and it and it's one of many where where there's different back and forth. Yes. another scripture that comes to mind is one generation shall praise thy works to another. So you've got different generations praising back and forth. You've got um, the the psalm that uh, I think it is. Let me. I'll find it while I'm talking with. Where every single line of the psalm, there's a response from the yes. congregation. that's Your the longest
1: verse. psalm. That's the longest psalm in the Bible, I think it is.
2: Uh,
1: Reciprocal well, back and it's forth. Not
2: 119, but it's 139, I think. Mm-hmm. So 139. No, 136. Yeah. Give okay. thanks to the Lord, for so He is good, for His mercy us forever. Give thanks to the God of God. His mercy endures forever. So there you've got the worshiping and the congregation and the worship leaders are going through and declaring all the great things God has done. And all the people are saying, your mercy endures forever. And and Isaiah says, I will sing my song to the stringed instruments. The instrument responds. And so you've got all these different ideas in the word of back and forth and singing back and forth. And and one of these is the, the scripture that you re- reference where the Lord himself sings in the midst of the church. He talks about that in the book of Hebrews, where, where the Lord sings. And that's the song of the Lord that he sings in the church. Paul says there's three different kinds of songs. We've got psalms, we've got hymns, and we've got spiritual songs. And psalms, they use the Old Testament psalms in the early church. And then Paul says, I want you to sing hymns. And, and that's not the hymns in your hymn book, because those hymn books weren't written yet when Paul said this. So these songs are songs, that are, are songs that contain New Testament truth. Paul called those hymns. And then there's another kind of a song, a spiritual song. And that word spiritual is the Greek word pneumatikos. And it means it's from pneuma or breath. Mm. It's the breath of the Holy Spirit breathing a song into your service. And Paul doesn't say, "I want you to sing psalms and hymns most of the time, and spiritual <laughs> song wants to read for years. but uh, uh, in Ephesians and Colossians, these songs are mentioned together, so spiritual song your church needs spiritual songs. Well, how do you get those? Because when you finish your psalms and your hymns and the and the instruments just Stay there on a, on a pad or a, a chord progression, and a singer just begins to sing a song breathed over your congregation by the Holy Spirit. It's the song either of the bride group, and then another singer might sing the song of the bride. And back and forth, you can have um, these prophetic songs that are uh, spirit-breathed songs into your service. And so all of this, we're talking about God uh, participating in our service. He participates through the instruments and through the singers and through dances. I, I've seen services where uh, there's been these prophetic words and a dancer or a mind person has danced and mimed it so you can see the prophecy. You can hear the prophecy. The prophecy is sung until you come out and you know God, God was here and would would never be the same like for example one time he came as a shepherd in the service and he began to speak of himself as a shepherd and we all know that he's a shepherd but if if you had a fruit like this, let me just play this fruit for a second (laughs) Now, I'm just playing that, but if I, if I played that, the service, out of the silence, with, with, with just the instruments just underneath right there, and, and, and somebody says, listen to the voice of the shepherd, he's calling, he's calling, because I come from a sheep farm in New Zealand. I know the sound of my father, his voice over the sheep. I've seen him put oil in his hands and anoint the heads of sheep when they're fighting one another, and they butt heads and their heads are filled with sores, and my father would put oil on his hands and and anoint the heads of the sheep so that the flies didn't pick at the sores. And so I've seen a shepherd do this. I've seen my father do this. And I know the sound of his voice. And I know the sound of the voice of the shepherd. And in these days of coronavirus, every one of these listeners... (laughs) Need to hear the sound of the shepherd just calling them, anointing their heads, preparing a table for them in the presence of their enemies, letting goodness and mercy follow them all the days of their life. My, my, my! I'm,
1: I'm going to have to take a. I'm going to have to take a, a, a break here in just a moment, but. Uh... Yep. I'd like to continue this conversation because you know, in my estimation, is I, I, God has stirred me to go to church after church after church. I, I have a church environment, but I've been set free to go out and minister with other pastors and leaders in San Diego County because God's moving in San Diego like I've never seen before—a level of unity. But there's a, a that yeah. with that level of unity must come a level of contrition and uh, willing yeah. willingness to get out of your rut or your comfort zone. And so I yeah. I I like to visit these churches and a lot of churches are just really know that this is the time for for God to break out and break in like never before but a lot of the churches and pastors and and, and worship team people just don't know how to make that happen. So can we talk a little bit yeah. about that in in the uh uh in the next yeah. segment because this is something that really troubles my heart, you know. I know God wants to break in so that we can break out.
2: <laughs>
1: That's right. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm going to just say a quick prayer over our listening friends, and then we're going to go into a break, and then be geared up because I'm going to ask you these tough questions. They're not really tough questions. You've heard them before, and you've asked yeah. them yourself before. But uh, we want to get our peoples, our worship teams, and but also the pastors and the leadership to be willing to dive in to where God wants to go and not to be intimidated by it. Heavenly Father, I pray for yeah. the listeners right now, that uh, on Sunday many of them are either going to be going to church or accessing church on the Internet. And I just pray that you give them a real spirit of expectation of your presence, but also give the leaders of leaders in those environments a freedom to let go of the handlebars and see where you take them because you've got great plans for your Mm -hmm. church in... Any city in the United States, in any town, in any house, in any family, and in uh, different nations of the world as well, you want to be glorified. We're going to talk about what that might look like and how we can have the voice not only of the bride, but the bridegroom, when Vivian Hibbert and I come right back.
0: This is this Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on Cape Race with Cass Taylor. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to this remarkable
1: Come Together San Diego broadcast. When I knew that I had booked Vivian Hibbert. I my mind just went wild. I go, what can we talk about? How can we it would be great if she would be playing instruments and things like that, but this is long distance. We may not be able to do that. Here she breaks out her flute and there there she goes. <laughs> you know, the, Vivian, this is a this is a topic that has uh, in in a way troubled me, but in a way that I believe God wants to break free as well and break his kids free. And that is the song of the bride, the song of the bridegroom, in the book—I I believe it's in Revelation, where it talks about—and they sang the song of Moses, and they sang yeah. the song of the Lamb. There's two different. There's two, two different interactions there. The Moses song is the the the, the, the people of Israel. Proclaiming God's greatness for the miracles that He has done and will do, and then the song of the Lamb is basically the bridegroom singing and wooing yeah. his bride. So it, even yeah. in the, even in the in the latter books of the New Testament and throughout the Old Testament, it is spoken of that it's just not a one-way street. This worship and praise thing—it's it's it's, it's yeah. a vertical, going both directions. So so talk a little bit more about what this would sound like in a church environment, and then the next segment after this, we're going to spend some time talking about the how-to pastors pay pay close attention to this worship team pay close attention to this and uh, congregational people pay pay close attention because god wants to break out in your church but first he has to break in (laughs) okay there you there you go viv i set the stage for you
2: yeah okay well the you you actually identified the three groups of people that have to be on board here the the pastors because we we're not going to do anything that the pastors are not uh happy about or don't understand we want we want the pastors to understand this and release it because our theology of worship is really important. If your theology of worship is just that it it's a fill in before the main event of church, just filling in a few songs just to make everybody happy, then that's what will happen. You'll just have a fill in time. But if you have a theology of worship as a leader that includes that God actually is present in the midst of the praise and He changes us, Mm. and that it's an encounter with God, it's not just a fill-in, then, in my opinion, the the message is not actually the main event of the service. I believe the encounter with God is the main event of church. Yes. But pastors, pastors have to be on board with that or we will make the main event the message and everything else is just kind of filling in up into
1: that point and, and might i say the the pre message i mean very few yeah. pastors will actually yeah. throw away the notes and go you know what i had this written down but the lord is going somewhere else and just absolutely throw it away yeah. sometimes they they'll refer to something that god just gives them but then they'll go back to their yeah. their notes we want god's full vestige and right. investment in us right. as we do the same with him
2: Right, so the pastors and leaders have to be on board, the worship team, because they're going to be facilitating this and opening the door. The, wor- the worship team are basically the doorkeepers to the presence of God, because the main worshipers are the congregation. They are the priests. are um, the priests. Think- there is no such thing as a professional priesthood. The priests in the New Testament are actually God's people, according to First Peter. And, and yet we have carried the Old Testament concept of the priesthood into the New Testament. Uh, the New Testament says we have apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists who equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So the ministry is supposed to be being done by the people, well, that's good and news. we have not done that. We keep we keep everything happening on the platform, and we've treated the people of God as an audience for two thousand years.
1: Would you say that again? That bears repeating. Forgive me, but that <laughs> that bears re- repeating.
2: Yeah, we for two thousand years the church has kept everything that's done in the service as happens in the, on the platform or at the front by the professionals, and the people have been an audience. All-
1: I'm losing you a little bit there, Viv.
2: Okay, that, that's not a, the, the way that it's supposed to happen in the Bible. The congregation are the priests. They're a holy, royal priesthood. They're a nation of priests. If you have one man or one woman as the priest or the pastor, that's the only one that does anything, then that person spends their life trying to pastor a small group of people, and they won't get done except pastoring that small group of people. But if that small group of people see themselves as priests, as worshiping, ministering priests before the throne of God, then however big your priesthood is, that's how far you'll affect your community. So if you have one person, they're only going to be able to reach that small group. But if that small group all become priests, then their neighborhood is able to be touched if you have however many priests you have functioning holy royal priests chosen priests as peter calls peter calls us then you're going to be able to affect nations and and cities and whole areas and that's one of the reasons why we haven't had effective evangelism i think the greatest days of evangelism are about to hit our cities when churches get a hold of this concept that the congregation have to grow up, we have to be the bride of Christ, know how to interact with Him, handle His voice and His presence and His goings among us so that we are able to be changed into the same image from glory to glory. That's how the glory is going to come into the earth in the last days if we would grasp this principle that it's not just the pastor, it's not just the worship team, but it's the whole congregation that are responsible for the moving of God among his church. And we need to be, we need to be mature and not trying to get our voices to be heard. We're not the one that's supposed to do everything all the time. It's not, we're not doing this so that we'll be noticed. We are doing it because God loves his bride And he is bringing his bride into great maturity in these days. And this is how the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And so it's important for the youngest to the oldest, from the wise and the simple, the rich and the poor, every single one in your congregation should be able to handle these subjects of God that he comes to reveal his greatness. He comes to minister to his people and he comes to to use us to administrate his kingdom in the earth. We get to be ambassadors. And so on Sunday, we are actually involved in a city-changing, nation-changing endeavor. We're not just there to sing songs to God. We are there to carry the mandate and the kingdom of God into the earth through our voices. Yes. Hallelujah. So it's, so that's why the congregation is important. That's why your children are important. And if we would get that, then our worship would change. Yes, it would. So the congregation are not an audience. And God. But then we got clever. And he says, well, God's the audience. He's the audience of one. No, He's not. There is no audience in worship. Worship is an exchange between heaven and earth. There's no audience. It's it's a, it's a it's a love song between heaven and earth. That's what worship is.
1: Yes. yes, 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 My listening friend, I hope you're. I hope you're hearing Vivian's heart. She she just long, you know, any environment she goes to, whether it's a you know a church environment or not, her desire is to entice God's presence wherever she goes. And as a result of that, she expects God's presence. And you know as well as I do, when God is present, sickness can't hang around. You know, uh, yes. Ill, Ill favor cannot hang around. Evil cannot hang around. When God yes. is present, they all have to flee. So it, it's a, an amiable task to, to pr- pursue God's presence in everything at all times. You don't have to wait for a church service for you to hum a song <laughs> or sing a song. Yes. You can do it wherever you go, and the Holy Spirit will just kind of hang with you if you hang with him. Yes. That's right. Uh let me let me uh, put a close on this segment cuz I want to I just want to dig so deeply in the ne- in the last two segments that we are going to be talking about here Viv and uh, yes. I want to if you'd be so kind would you spend the next segment talking to pastors my listening friends if you have a pastor nearby and you want him to listen to this just give him a call and have him uh tune in to AM 1210 or FM 106.1. Uh, and and listen to this because Viv's going to spend some time in the next segment and maybe beyond. We've got a couple segments left to talk to the pastors and the worship teams on how to accommodate this. It's it's a different mindset. It's a mindset that God really is control in control, and He really does want to be present in your services. So, Vivian Hibbert, my dear sweet. Sis, uh, she's the author of many books. She may have another one that she's penning right now. I'm not sure, but I wouldn't be surprised. So my listening friends, so don't go away because Viv and I are going to talk about what you and I need to do to uh, invite this presence in a way that we've never invited before. When Viv and I come right back.
0: You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on Race. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Hello, San Diego. This
2: is Rick Signs from uh, Red Seal Ministries. I just bless you and ask you just to receive the love of the Lord at this time, uh, this open season we have in San Diego.
0: Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Welcome back to Come Together San Diego,
1: and welcome back to the Viv Hibbert Teaching Show. (laughs) Actually, actually it's the Holy Spirit Teaching Show through Viv. Uh, We're talking about worship and praise. My sweet friend, Vivian Hibbert, uh, who loves to worship, but she not only loves to worship, she realizes that God says, you know, you love to worship, now I want you to spread it around a little bit. So she has, does, but I've known her for a few decades, and she does that. That's one of the things she does, is she she infects churches in a very positive way. You talk about COVID, uh, Viv is uh, uh, God's answer to COVID. He's spreading his presence.
2: <laughs> Amen. <laughs>
1: There's a topic, Viv, that I, I would like you to, to launch out on here, and this is something that I'm sure that is near and dear to your heart as well. You talk about the different levels, the different people involved in a worship service. If the pastor does not buy into it, then the, then, then the worship team will not be, buy into it, or they may have bought into it, but they don't know how to release it. How, how do you deal with these things? Yes. How do you communicate with the pastors, and then secondarily the, the worship team of the pastors?
2: Yeah, it's it's a very uh, dicey subject because none of us want to disobey yes. the direction. And the leading of pastors and the, the leadership of pastors in the church—that's really important. And so, I'm kind of taking that for granted, but it is important for pastors to understand this. Otherwise, it will not happen. You—you uh, you have to have the pastors on board. You have to have the worship team on board, and they have to know what to do. It's no good just saying you're free, and then—and then. And then watching them do the same thing that they've done for 20 years. They need, to be, they need to know what they can be free in, and they need to be trained. David trained his worship teams, and they had 24-hour worship teams going, and they were trained in the prophetic realm and the prophetic songs, uh, and you do see that in First Chronicles chapter 25. Yes scripture is in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 8. It um, it says, at that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord. The ark represents the presence, and the priests, their job is to carry the presence of God. So yes, you need training, but we need to be people who honor the presence of God, that we give him place, and that we, number one, that we recognize his presence, and number two, we know what to do with his presence when he comes, because he's a gentleman, and he will hang back, and he fits into the time frames, and the the denominational frames that we have made for him, but all the time, I believe that he's waiting for us to open the doors, and we need to be those that carry the presence of God. Then it says, Their job was to carry the presence. Number two, to stand before the Lord to minister to Him. And you can't do that job until you've done job number one. Unless you're a carrier of the presence of God, you won't know how to stand before Him and minister to Him. And then job number three is to go out and bless in His name. And job number three comes out of job number two, and job number two comes out of job number one. (laughs) Carry the presence, minister in the presence, and then go out and bless in his presence. And so if pastors release their worship teams, their congregations, teach them to be, first of all, carriers, and those that honor the presence of God, make way for his presence, because this isn't a hit or miss experience. It's not just, it shouldn't be, well, hey, remember that service when God came six months ago? It should be last week that God came.
1: Yes, or or, or yesterday or five minutes ago, or, or yes, he's here now.
2: Yes not, <laughs> yes, not just it's not just, you know, months ago that he came. We should have services like that every time we meet. And so we have to prepare for that. And it's like worship teams, they prepare their songs so that they will be excellent, but they also need to prepare for excellence in His presence and carrying His presence and unpacking and unraveling His presence. It's our job to help the congregation see and to to know what God is wanting to say. And yes. so with our instruments and our songs that you're talking about, these prophetic songs, we carry the sight and sound of God. So one thing I like to do is totally rename the worship team. The worship, the, the, the musicians are not just musicians. If you say we're musicians, then that's what we'll do. We'll play music. But the realm that we're talking about, we need to be more than musicians. We need to be keepers of the sounds of God. Mm. So so as a musician, I'm not just playing music. I am a keeper of the sound. So I have to know him and carry his presence and be in his presence. So I know what he sounds like. Adam and Eve heard the sound of God walking in the garden. Mm. Every drummer needs to know that sound. There's the sound of him uh, on the mountains when his voice is like thunder, and sometimes his voice is like a trumpet, and sometimes his voice is a still, small voice. And every one of us as artists and as musicians need to be able to carry upon our lives the sound. Even in your voice as singers, you might sing the same notes as you've sung before, but when you've encountered him, there'll be another layer of sound that is upon the your voice, and you'll be you'll be singing, carrying this layer of the anointing, this layer of the presence of God that goes out with your song. So as musicians, we are keepers of the sounds of God. As singers, you are keepers of the words and the songs of God. As dancers, you're keepers of the goings of God. And if you're a painter and an artist, you're a keeper of the sight of God.
1: Oh, my, that's and if
2: beautiful. If you're a poet, you're a keeper of the words of God. And if we changed our job description of who we are, it's more, you have to have something that's beyond music. Yes. We're not just singers of songs, we're not just players on instruments. We actually have to use our music, yes to go under the congregation and help them sing their song to him. But then we go into the very breath of God and bring his breath and the sound of him into the church. yes. So yes, yes. one way to release this is to get the musicians to completely change their understanding of what their job is. And we have reduced their job to being uh, just musicians. It's like God himself's an artist, and he's an artist for three reasons. Number one, he wants to reveal his glory. The heavens declare the glory. What he has created reveals his glory. Number two, he communicates with his art. And number three, He has uh, he's an artist because he just is pleased. And for his pleasure, they are created. Mm. <laughs> and what we've done in the earth is we've taken the entertainment or pleasure factor of art and made that the main thing that we're doing in church. We're really the main job of every artist is to reveal the glory of God. Our job is to know Him and reveal Him, and and so artists have to do more than just play music. We have to. We're not just there to entertain. The dancers are not just there to decorate the worship. You, when you use flags and dance and banners, it's not just to decorate. We are actually your keepers of the sight of the goings of God, mm, and um, and so if we can't carry that that component, that glory component, that that sense of bringing God into the church upon the arts, then we are we are we are only operating at like ten percent of what <laughs> yes. really what our ministry really can be.
1: Yes, yes, yes,
2: and. So there's
1: this whole area that we're lacking in the church. Well, Viv, let me ask you a question here. And one of the things is, as I've I've been observing this for a few decades, and I, I one of my frequent questions to the Lord is, how are you going to release this kind of environment in a church environment? And sometimes it, it's the answer is you start, you know, like you take one step towards the promised land at a time. So you're taking one step at a time to get into this full full-blown willingness to let the Lord be the Lord in your church environment or worship environment. And one of those smaller steps is, you know, maybe the pastor calls the worship team together and and they just have a meeting and they just talk about this thing and then bring bring Scripture because the Scripture is there to help guide us into those areas but you got to study how king david did did it because the scripture says in the last days god's going to build this tabernacle of david again and he's building it now but a lot of that has to do with the attitude of 24 7 continual worship and praise so pastors call call your meeting with your your worship team and, and and just experiment and maybe you start on a in a home uh, meeting setting <clears throat> and you just experiment a little bit and when everybody gets comfortable vertically and horizontally with one another you know, then, then I'm willing to give freedom to another person because I trust them to hear the voice of the Lord and also weed out the stuff that's not of the Lord and we're comfortable with that. And once you do that, not- then there's that level of freedom, and then it expands into larger groups of people, and uh, maybe even different denominations side by side. Um, it's time to. Uh, I'd like to em- embellish this a little bit in the next segment. We're out of time in this segment. Are you willing to do that? I think there are a lot of people listening that goes, well, "This is wonderful," but here I am. How do we get there? So we're going to answer that question, Vivian Hibbert and I, when Viv and Kaz come right back. <laughs>
0: More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. The last segment. Viv, before we
1: just jump into this section, why don't you give a way that people can find out more about you? Because once they've heard what you've had to say and they start seeking out some of your writings and some of your teachings, they're going to want more, more, more. Viv, how do they do that?
2: Well, everything's on my website, uh, Vivian Hibbert, V-I-V-I-E-N, not A-N, VivianHibbert.com.
1: And how do they get a hold of you if they want to invite you to somewhere to actually teach the things that you've been sharing with us?
2: Okay, you can, you can email me. Uh, there's a, a link there on my website. You can get to me, or you can just email at VivianHibbert at gmail.com.
1: Okay. I, I, one of the times... Email. You came to San Diego, and I was pleased. I, I had known you before, and then I heard some one of the pastors, I think it was uh, uh, Gary uh, Goodell, invited you to come. Yes, I, I Gary believe.
2: Goodell, that's right. And yeah. uh, you
1: came, and a lot of people were there, and uh, they came with open hearts and a uh, willingness. And uh, once again, as I say, you don't have them sit in seats for long. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. I I, can, I actually remember that in, the, in one of those meetings, um, we were singing the voice of the bride and the bridegroom back and forth. That yes. was actually, I'll never forget. There's one particular song that uh, we were singing back and forth, the voice of the bride and the bridegroom. It was remarkable. I'll never forget San Diego to that. That was a, a, an
1: incredible time. Mm, hallelujah! More, 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 Lord. Okay, so we're Mm -hmm. in the last segment here. How do you want to tie this all together? A lot of people have heard what we've said so far, and they go, I like it, but but, but where do we go from here? San Diego's been doing joint worship services uh, outside uh, and together for a few years, and we— the, the worship team people know one another and they can inter- interact, you know, the drummers out so another drummer takes the place and they may be a, from a Baptist church but it doesn't make any difference. They go into a Pentecostal church or vice versa. So you see a, a horizontal uh, changing of the guard and it's beautiful to behold. So what would you recommend, Viv, uh, as you look across the uh, traditional worship environment in churches across San Diego County and beyond?
2: Well, the thing with me is... Uh that this kind of worship is uh, an extension of my personal worship. <laughs> yes. And, and, you're, and, and you're per- here we are talking about some great dramatic thing happening in the church, and it really is fantastic. When It's like, it's like an orchestra or like an opera, where the Holy Spirit is the conductor. So the worship leader is not the real worship leader. The real worship leader is the Holy Spirit, and and here's the Holy Spirit just conducting, and he uses this person and this child and this one doing this, and somebody dances, and somebody has a prophetic song, and then an instrument plays, and then somebody has an exhortation, and somebody has a vision that they've seen. And have we've, we've been in this absolute environment of God's presence. We've been in his courts in heaven, and everybody has their peace. And if we could learn to do that, and it's an extension of your private worship. In my private worship, I don't talk all the time. In my private devotion and time with the Lord, I talk, and he talks, and I talk, and, he, and it's a back and forth. Yes. And so it is in this environment of prophetic worship. It's not chaotic. Uh, it's not, it doesn't have to be long, although it may be. It doesn't have to be crazy, but it might be one day crazy. Or crazy compared to how we've always done it before. Yes. But you have to remember that God is not a Baptist. He's not Episcopalian. He's not Pentecostal. Um, when you look at what's going on in heaven, He's got this incredible stuff that's going on. He's got angels that are, you know, a hundred million angels, <coughs> excuse me, crying with loud voices blessing and honor and glory and power be unto Him. So there's 100 million angels, there's light and movement, and there's all all nations and all people with one voice, with palm branches and waving stuff. One time time God took his hand off and just started writing on the wall. That's not exactly what he does normally in the Methodist church, Uh but I mean... He, God is absolutely extreme in many ways. He's not like us. And so we have to have worship where He's comfortable. Yes. Not worship makes us comfortable. We're always wanting to make people comfortable, whether they be unbelievers or visitors or whatever. And I understand that. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, which is the best description of a prophetic worship service in the Bible is First Corinthians fourteen. I've already
1: turned to that. I turned to that in in anticipation. Go go ahead.
2: You've got the instruments that it says if the instrument if the flute doesn't play a certain sound, how will you know what is being piped or played? Meaning that you're supposed to know what the flute is playing. If the flute plays the song of the shepherd or if it plays the song of the bridegroom, you're supposed to know that there's kind of he uncovers himself through the sound of the flute and then you've got singing with the Spirit and with the understanding, and, and there's all this prophecy and tongues, and an unbeliever comes in, and the unbeliever falls on his face and begins to worship and says, God is truly among you. Yes. Well, the unbeliever is able to tell, the unbeliever doesn't care that the instruments are prophesying and that there's prophecies and all kinds of things happening. The unbeliever recognizes the presence of God there. And that's the big question. Many Christians can't tell whether God's there. But here's this unbeliever in First Corinthians 14. The unbeliever can tell that God's there. And then Paul goes on to say an unusual thing. He says, how is it then, brethren, whenever you gather together, that means every time, each of you, that means everybody <laughs> in the church, has a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, an interpretation, an exhortation. There's a whole list of stuff that all the each are supposed to be doing. So the is have a whole list of stuff that they get to do in church.
1: Yes, yes, yes. But
2: we haven't, we haven't let the itchers do this for years. But if pastors would just relax and let the itchers describe what God is doing and, and let them be part of this beautiful flow of of God's river and his presence among us. I think that you will see incredible things happen. I do happen. too, Vivi. And some believers will come in and fall on their faces and say, God is here.
1: This is probably one of the finest verses if you want to know what uh, church is supposed to be like, but it's so far-fetched from many church environments. But one of the things that, that's in there when it talks about each one has something, there's a, there's a phrase here that says, let all things be done unto edifying. And that means this yes. is not a time for you to do your pot shots political pot shots or things that you're angry about or some you know you got up on the wrong side of the bed or your spouse told you to make a left turn when you wanted to take a right turn this isn't for that this is edification of every single thing and uh, you want to speak to that we've got about two minutes left and we want to draw a close to this
2: yeah well let me just say how wonderful your beautiful city is one of the most beautiful cities in the whole country and i've traveled all over this country and you're in one of the most beautiful spots you're a gatekeeping city. Thanks. You're a city that stands in the gate of this nation, and you're responsible in San Diego for, for the glory of God coming in from that southwestern corner. Hallelujah. What a great city you are, mm. and how awesome that the, that the believers would be in unity. And that's, and that's what this is all about, Kaz. This is to make us uh, come in unity and to come into the likeness and the maturity uh, of the Lord. And my favorite scripture in the whole Bible on worship is Second Corinthians 3.18. It doesn't mention the word worship, but it mentions the word glory three times. It says, But we all with unveiled faces yes. beholding as clearly as of looking into a mirror, the glory of the Lord is changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. The seven principles of worship right there. Mm. But the thing is, is that it's all for His glory. It's not for any of us. It's not for our name to be made great, but that He would be famous in our cities and that His glory would come upon our land and that we would that we would go to be with Him in glory forever and ever. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that's the whole purpose here. The purpose is that God wants to make us a beautiful, mature bride filled with glory yes. and our eyes on fire to see his kingdom come in the earth and his will. And so we, I, I personally, I bless you in San Diego. And I thank you uh, for this time. And I pray for the churches there in San Diego and for believers to rise up as a great and a mighty army out of that southwestern corner of our nation, uh, you are a beautiful people in a beautiful city. Mm,
1: thank you, Viv. My listening friend, I, I know that you appreciate the, the teaching and the anointing that uh, Viv Hibbert has and uh, it was great uh, spending some time with you. We're running out of time, my listening friend, but you need to know that Come Together San Diego's heart cry is to invite the Lord's presence in everything we do, whether it's uh, walking down the street or uh, going to the library or entering something in your computer or whatever it is or visiting with your friends and family whatever it is god's presence wants to be there we just have to have a willingness to let him in let him in and let him do his thing viv hibbert thank you so much for spending time with us. it has been anointing and then some my listening friend thanks for joining us and viv thank you so much for your insights viv hibbert v-i-v-i-e-n hibbert h-i-b-b-e-r-t Dot com yeah. right yes yeah,
2: that's correct
1: thank you Viv God bless you everyone and thanks for joining us on Come Together San Diego God bless
0: thanks for joining Kaz taylor and his many friends including you for Come Together San Diego join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego tell a friend tell a neighbor tell a co-worker and then let's all come together, San Diego, next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on K Praise.